Oh my god, hello, 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 and welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show. Hi, 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 how are y'all doing? Hope everyone's new year is off to a wonderful, wonderful, delightful, lovely start. I'm of course your host, Marcus Nez. Hi. We got some games to talk about, including we've got Trapang 2, or based on the way it is formatted, Trapang Squared? Maybe? Stuffed. All caps. Stuffed. Graydon. Visco Collection. And Paperman Adventure Delivered. I'll probably jump right into that because I've got nothing particularly exciting about New Year's celebrations or start of the year anything. I don't even know if there was any big news game-wise that came out. I have yet to start my best games, favorite games, not best games, favorite games of all time list, which I talked about doing it was planning to celebrate the new year with on the first and by that I mean a list of every favorite game however long it ends up being 200 plus if it's 344 games long then that's how long it's going to be but I'm also not sure how I'm going to order it I maybe went over this saying that I have my top 10 but then after that I might break it down in top 50 as in 11 to 50 then 51 to 100 and section off games that way but not in any particular order but maybe I'll wait until after 50 maybe 50 will be numbered we'll see we'll see It all depends on how I'm feeling when I start making the list and if I feel very strongly about the placement of games post or past the top 10. But other than that, I have been on a romantic comedy binge, watching a bunch after I watched a few that I remembered liking and realizing I don't like them anymore, having revisited them for the first time in over a decade for a lot of them. It's become clear that it's been a very long time since I've watched a lot of these rom-coms. And maybe even less than that, but regardless, where I was during my I love rom-coms in general phase, which was a lot of my life, when I was very love Hungry, love-struck, not love-struck, love-struck is a good thing, right? Love, desiring, (laughs) whatever. I seeked it out in other forms of media. The saddest being when I was in grammar school. Well, 
When did it come out? The original Sims. Was that 99 or 2000? So it would have been just as I was wrapping up. But I think it came out prior because I'm pretty sure I was still in grammar school. But the girls I had crushes on. Yeah, I romanced them in The Sims. That first Sims game, which I really, really love. Still my favorite just because I have that connection with it. Which when you think about it, when you step back, kind of creepy, kind of weird, kind of sad. And if you replace kind of with very, you'd be more accurate in those statements. But I was, what, 12 years old? Cut me a fucking break. Give me a little slack. I've never used slack. Cut me a little discord. All right. But I seeked romance in movies, video games. Not really in literature. I've mostly been... Well, after a certain point with literature, I became very much so all nonfiction. And even if I were to read fiction now, I would just want to go back and read things I used to love as a kid. Give me some of those Animorphs. Give me Goosebumps. More, more than anything, I really, really, really want to start collecting Choose Your Own Adventure books, but that just seems like an absolute nightmare and a potentially very expensive one. But if anyone wants to help me with that, if you ever see some cheap Choose Your Own Adventure books, let me know. I'll pay you to ship them out to me. If you're wondering what I currently own, zero. So I've got nothing but room to grow there. I don't really want to rebuy Goosebumps or Animorphs, but Choose Your Own Adventure. The original classic Choose Your Own Adventure line. And maybe in, in terms of Goosebumps, that venture into Choose Your Own Adventures, that was also enjoyable. I, I just have a lot of nostalgia for those and find them very, very enjoyable. And I like the I like the covers of the original Choose Your Own Adventure books. I don't care if they're all yellowed either. I will pay for anything. Just not overly covered in library binding or stuff like that. It's the one thing I would never really want in my own personal collection. But I loved rom-coms and I loved romance and movies. That's why Knights of the Old Republic is one of my favorite games of all time. It's because of the relationship you build. If you decide to go this route with Bastila over the course of the game and the way it all wraps up, I love Dragon Age Origins. I think the romance in there with it's Morgana, I think. I really want to replay that game. I love Dragon Age Origins. Really wish I liked either of the following games anywhere near as much. By far my favorite. Eh, not by far, but my favorite. I can't say my favorite because it's lower than KOTOR on my list. But KOTOR has kind of a weird place in my top 10 because of my memories of it, my nostalgia for it, and 
the power of it in that I've said this before, but it made me someone who has never given a shit about Star Wars fall in love with the series and open myself up to it again while also convincing me that I must have been wrong about the prequels. So I went to Walmart after finishing the game, bought all of them, including the original trilogy, and was immediately reminded that I was not wrong about the prequels and they're bad. They are bad. Although a lot of Star Wars is bad. I would say, based on my experience, the majority of Star Wars is bad. Love the Mandalorian, seasons one and two. Third, a bit of a, it's not really Mandalorian season. Andor was fantastic. And then we have the original trilogy, specifically episodes four and five. And then... I like The Last Jedi. And that's that's it. I'm trying to think. Really? There are other ones there that are okay. Return of the Jedi's uh, fucking it's fine. Force Awakens is a fine redo of episode four. New Hope. But enough about Star Wars. We're not here to talk about Star Wars. I was talking about rom coms. In rewatching a lot of rom-coms, I realized I don't like a lot of them anymore. In part because when you step back and you look at some of these characters, they're kind of shitty. There are a lot of shitty characters in rom-coms. Some that are very knowingly shitty right from the start and there was never any trying to hide it. Or there's no allusion to the shittiness. My best friend's wedding. I never really liked that. I owned it because... I felt like I should like it, but Julia Roberts never liked her in it. Not her, it's her character. But also a lot of rom-coms really encourage cheating. They make cheating seem like it's okay. Because if you find someone who might be your true love, someone you really, really click with, it's okay to cheat. No, it's not. Just fucking break up first. Problem fixed in all these rom-coms. Break up first. Don't pursue this relationship and see where it's it's because they want to have this little fallback relationship, I guess. But it's it's not it's not good. But you've got mail, for instance. One, I don't like Nora Ephron. Sleepless in Seattle, fucking weird. Meg Ryan, super creepy. Hiring a private investigator, thinking she is fucking in love, thinking that. Fucking Tom Hanks might be the one based off of hearing him on the radio once. And her fiance, Bill Pullman, super nice guy. He just is a bit of a hyper, hypoallergenic person, whatever that term is. But he's a good guy. But in You've Got Mail, what Tom Hanks does to Meg Ryan ever he knows that she's the woman that he's talking to via email. And when he starts to try and build a relationship with her in person, but is not telling her that he is the same person and then is helping her out with this email relationship, giving her advice, and then reacting through the email persona, like he's catching on, like he knows what she's trying to do. It's very, very manipulative. 
and mean. And when she finds out, her reaction is just, oh, I really, I was hoping it was you. My first reaction, even if I'm glad it ended up, if I ended up being that case, would be, what? Huh? I would not be so quick to just brush it off as, I'm so happy it was you. I was hoping it was you. If you were hoping it was him, then maybe you should have just said, you know what? This thing, I have this connection with you that I've built up in person. So maybe this fucking email thing, this person who also stood me up. But there's so much cheating and so much fucking shittiness. And weird. I I know a lot of people will just say, you really are overthinking the rom-coms. And you're probably right. But when there are so many romantic movies, not just comedies, romantic comedies, that I do still love and own, there, there are plenty of cuts that are fine to make. So I made a lot of cuts. But I still have hundreds of romantic movies in my collection, so it's not like I hate romance all of a sudden. I just have realized and also looked at some things where it's movies uh, or the movies that I felt like I should like when Harry Met Sally is is probably Nora Ephron's strongest outing and she only wrote that one along with Rob Reiner who directed but a fair amount of the dialogue in that is hard to swallow and while I really like the idea of Billy Crystal as a romantic lead. We don't need to just have models all the time. Wanting me to believe that Billy Crystal can make a woman meow from sexual euphoria? No. No. Don't believe it. Also, just in general, I think that's such a stupid line that no one would ever say. I I made her feel so good. She she meowed. You, you his best friend. You made you made a woman meow. Oh, fuck off. I don't like inauthentic, unrealistic dialogue in certain cases, especially when you're trying to seemingly play it up as a fairly authentic take. And I think one of the things that people confuse that for is also a distaste for pretentious dialogue. I don't mind pretentious dialogue, even if it's dialogue that I don't particularly relate to or would never say myself. If I can see people talking this way, I'm fine with it. The Before Trilogy is a perfect example of that. There's a lot of... I mean, it's, it's pretty much all pretentious dialogue. Everything they're talking about and whatnot. But it's believable for me. And some of the stuff in When Harry Met Sally is just so clearly written and that can really take me out it's a weird hiccup that I specifically have and I know that and it it is completely wholly admittedly inconsistent there will be cases where I I can't explain it it just I think it, it, it is something that if I'm enjoying other parts of the movie then 
I can let it pass. But if if there are other issues I'm having, then I'm going to be like, okay, well, now I've got more. It's basically just adding ammunition to the gun I used to shoot the movie out of my collection or out of my continuing to watch shitness. Yeah. I guess that's all that. Anywho, let's get on to what I've been playing already. That went on way too long. I thought maybe I'd be mannering for a little under 10 minutes and we're fucking... Let's just get this shit over with. Trepang 2 is a first-person shooter that is fear now. If you played fair, Trepang 2 is that. And it's very, very good. It is some of the most fun I've had with a shooter in a very, very long time. It even looks like it came out around the same time as the last Fear game. Feels so much like Fear. You are a test subject who breaks out of this facility to open up the game. And you have two abilities that you can use fairly frequently. You have to wait for them to replenish. They have a little little bars that will replenish over time after you use them. But one allows you to cloak yourself, turn invisible, and another allows you to slow down time and focus. There's no iron sights because it is such a fast-paced shooter. So left trigger throws grenades if you have grenades or any kind of throwable. And you're just going around these various environments like an office building full of cubicles and office rooms or a fancy kind of not condominium but resort you're just going to a lot of places where there's plenty of stuff to blow up and papers to get destroyed to fill the screen with particle effects and blood and bullet holes and it's super super satisfying the story is whatever it's barely there just there enough to give you some context for the campaign which is fairly short but in addition to the campaign after after the the opening mission in the facility when you finally break out you are taken to a home base which allows you to customize your appearance which seems kind of pointless given that it is a first person game and a single player game but there is a combat scenario area which allows you to go to various locations like a building under construction an office space etc and partake in a horde mode of either 20 waves or an endless number of waves and you're taking on enemies there you see where they're gonna spawn at the start of every round you get 10 seconds to kind of prepare yourself and Use money gained from clearing out waves and defeating enemies to purchase equipment, better weapons, so on and so forth. And that's very fun. And yeah, it's just a really, really fun shooter that is harkening back to the late 2000s. I think that's around when Fear and those games came out. That is focused entirely on gameplay and specifically making you feel like a badass. And you will feel like a badass. There are six or seven difficulty options. 
So you can if you just want to destroy the AI and not have to worry about being tactical but just want to make everyone explode. You can play it on a fairly lower easy difficulty or you can play it on a harder difficulty and then have to be a bit more strategic with how you tackle scenarios. Another thing I really like is that you can grab enemies either from behind them or if you knock them out a little, if you go up to them and melee them and uh, stagger them, you can grab them. And what you can do with enemies when you grab them is use them as a shield essentially and, and shoot enemies while holding them. Or you can throw them and you will throw them far, which is always satisfying. And you hear their screams. The game has wonderful, silly, over-the-top ragdoll, ragdoll physics that is very wonky. And when uh, an area is full of corpses on the ground, they will interact with you by when you walk over them in not normal ways, which could take you out if this was a serious story you cared about. But given that the game is just about craziness, it's... It just adds to the fun. But in addition to just throwing an enemy, like, what? Just throwing an enemy. You can also throw an enemy and I guess unpin one of the grenades and turn them into a giant bomb, which, if you aim well enough at other enemies, you'll knock them down so they can't get out of the way. And it's a very satisfying way to take out a group of enemies. And yeah, it's just, it's a lot of fun. That's all it is. It's pure fun. If you're someone who doesn't care about story and doesn't need story, then you'll have a really good time with it, methinks. Because I had a really good time with it. And I still have stuff to play you, you can go back to any level and replay that as well in addition to just doing the horde mode you can go back to any campaign mission that you've already beaten and play it on any difficulty very very fun they've added i got a code for the base game but i'm going to purchase the season pass because it's currently on sale for a little bit and i'd like to give them a little bit of my own money because I like the game so much, but they have added so far a survival mode. I'm not sure what that entails, but the base game itself, I think, is 30 maybe $25. So it's not a super expensive game either. I like it. I like it a lot. It's similar to Robocop in that it's just a lot of classic dumb fun. But I would say Trepang 2 is actually more fun because the abilities mix with being able to grab any enemy and use them as a bomb. Robocop could grab any enemy, and at least Robocop didn't have to stagger someone if they're coming at them from the front. They could just grab anyone that's in their vicinity. But being able to throw someone as a bomb never gets old. It is the best. And the game looks fantastic when you're letting off a bunch of explosions and 
shooting up environments so much that it's just cluttered with effects. I haven't run into any kind of slowdown, so the performance has been pretty good as well, which is probably in part because the game does not look that great. It has a distinct style, and there are horror elements in the same way that there were horror stuff in Fear, but nothing scary because you, you've got all these powers and whatnot. But it has little bits of that moodiness going on, which is nice. It is 100% Fear. If you told me this was a Fear follow-up, if this was a mod of Fear, I'd believe you. Because it has that look. It also has a very, very satisfying shotgun, which is always important in a first-person shooter. You're only as good as your shotgun, and the shotgun is super satisfying. If you get someone dead center with the shotgun, get it, get get ready to see a big old puff of red mist in front of you, because you will make them explode, and it is glorious. The only real negative I'd throw at the game is that the boss-ish fights I've encountered suck because they're just bullet sponges, and that's not any fun. So that's the one negative I'd throw at it. But other than that, lots and lots of fun. That is, again, Trepang 2, and that is T-R-E-P-A-N-G-2. Next up is Stuffed which is just Call of Duty Zombies, but toy-themed. You play a stuffed bear, and you are trying to protect your owner, a young girl, from all of the various toys and household decorative nonsense things that are coming to attack you, so garden gnomes and the like. Little rubber walking duckies toy robots so on and so forth and you have themed weapons at your disposal like something that has been made out of pencils it looks like another thing that is a firework machine gun I think that's what the firework thing is or that might be the shotgun and it's Kind of cute. It's colorful. The regular enemies all seem to come after you and ignore the door while every now and again a large shadowy humanoid figure will come and attack the door. Which is a little annoying the way that works. and can be frustrating trying to balance between the enemies coming after you and taking on this bullet spongy humanoid figure. But it is just Call of Duty Zombies. You're first locked off to a single room, and then as you're earning money, you can use that money to purchase more ammo for any of the guns you currently have, or new weapons, power-ups that are in the environment, open up doors to expand the space, which will then give you access to new weapons, typically, well, not typically, always more powerful weapons. And to make it a little bit easier to constantly get back to that main room where the door you have to protect is, there will be little boxes that have warp things in them that allow you to get back to the main room. And then if you go back through that warp, it'll take you back to the the last one you used. 
which is nice. But it doesn't do enough with the theme. I think the weapons themselves are pretty boring in that they are just, here's essentially a pistol, but it looks like a gun made out of pencils. Here's a machine gun, but it looks like a gun made out of fireworks. Here's a shotgun, etc. So they don't really have fun with the weapons, which is a shame. I would have liked to have seen them go a little bit more out there, a la Ratchet and Clank or something along those lines. You're, you're, you're using this this theme of toys and all that. Have fun with it. But also, the real Achilles heel of Stuffed is that it is single player only. And if you've ever played Call of Duty Zombies by yourself, you know that that gets old real fast and is only fun maybe a few times, and that's where my fun with Stuffed ended. You can customize your beer, which seems pointless when you're playing by yourself. Again, you can only see your hands. It's a first-person shooter. I don't know if I said that, but it's a first-person shooter. It also, it's okay as a first-person shooter. It's not the best feeling first-person shooter, but it's not the worst. I was surprised by how decent it felt, but at the same time, it wasn't amazing. I didn't enjoy it. It does have iron sights and has generous aim assist that you can't turn off if you want. But the fact that there is no multiplayer, local or online, it means that you will probably hit a point fairly early on. There's no difficulty setting, so you will probably, depending on your ability, reach a certain point every time where the game becomes too overwhelming. And that's that. And then you just replay it over and over and over again to earn gold that you can use to buy new customization options for your bear and weapons. And that's it. There's also a lack of content in that the only map is this house. The girl's house. It is procedurally generated, but the procedural generation is very lacking in variety. It was... It didn't take long for me to feel like I had seen the same room multiple times. And I don't know if that's because the number of options for the procedural generation is so low that you are going to see layouts that are 90% similar. And in that case, it's, it's similar enough that it seems like it's exactly the same. Or if it's... I don't know if it's actual procedural generation. It says procedural procedurally generated but maybe it's actually randomly generated rooms that are already pre-designed and laid out either way the procedural generation random generation whatever doesn't lead to a lot of variety so you will be seeing the relatively same environments over and over and over and over and over again which is unfortunate it would be nice if they had at least a few different things in there. Maybe a, the backyard. Maybe I, I, I know that with the whole aspect of protecting her bedroom and keeping monsters out, that limits it. But I find something else to protect then. Don't always have to protect the girl. But the lack of multiplayer is ultimately what 
makes it hard to impossible to recommend. But that is again stuffed. Ray Dawn is a survival horror game, I guess, first person, with a heavy religious theme and also Christmas shit in it for maybe no reason. I, I played up to Act 8, and the Christmas stuff was just in there, I feel like, because it came out right around Christmas, and maybe they thought people would pick it up because they're like, oh, Christmas. And I'm not, I don't think they're going to remove it after the holiday is over. I mean, the holiday is already over, but I don't think it's a seasonal thing because it's even in the key art, but maybe it is. It also, based on what I've played, doesn't seem like it's just plopped in there. It like it was, it was specifically put in there, but you're playing a priest who has been accused of killing an altar boy and over the course of the game you will occasionally be sent to this purgatory type space where the kid will talk to you and you're asking questions about oh, is this heaven no, you can't you can't make it to heaven yet because you're not good they're, they're, I'm all for a game tackling the subject matter and and really being all about it. it. This isn't a game where it has religious elements in it, but it's primarily focused on some other kind of horror. This is the story is all about religion. And I, I think that's interesting and has potential and something that we don't see a lot of because I'm sure a, a lot of people would be a lot of developers would be potentially scared of it being controversial, turning people away because of that theming. But as much as I do think it's worth why it's a worthwhile choice, the story that I've experienced has not engaged me all that much. It's creepy, sure, but I don't really care about any of it up until this point. The puzzles are super simple. A lot of them are either just, here's a head you find on the ground, and there's a headless statue five feet in front of you. Well, go put the head on the statue. There, that puzzle's been solved. Or stuff of that nature, as you're following a relatively linear path, it's not completely linear as in just walking down a hallway with no way to venture out but the spaces you're going through aren't super open so there's not a lot of room to go off any beaten paths or any stuff like that so it is pretty linear and you will have these puzzles that are just you need these specific objects in order to complete it well you've probably already collected them on your way to this thing so case closed so it's, it's it's just not engaging on a gameplay level a story level the visuals aren't great there's a lot of low quality textures textures that take a while to load in and some that just 
are either very, very, very low quality in that there's nothing there or they just never load in. So there's some technical hiccups there. It needed some more time in the oven, I'd say. But, yeah. And then there, there are parts where Firefill is screen or whatever, and it's maybe trying to be super scary and gory and freaky, but none of that worked for me as the baby I am. It, it never, at any point, really scared or made me feel, uh, scared me or made me feel uneasy. But that is Grey Dawn. Next up is the Visco Collection, which is a collection of classic arcade Neo Geo games. Andro Dunos, which is a vertical, no, horizontal scrolling shmup, which is fine. That one, that one's all right. Bang Bead and Flip Shot, which are both pong ish windjammers-ish games where I don't even know exactly what the difference between the two is the two are because they felt very very similar in that you're controlling character you pick one of these characters and then you're you're playing it like pong where you hit the the paddle at the right time you you press the input at the right time when the the ball whatever object is right at, in front of you and you'll give it a little power boost type of thing while building up a meter and you're trying to knock down all the targets behind your opponent and in I believe bang bead you have to knock out all the targets behind them and then get it past them and then in flip shot I think you just had to knock down all the targets that's the one difference you have Captain Tomaday, which is another shmup. This one's vertical scrolling, but you play a flying tomato who is fighting birds and pumpkins and, and not, not pumpkin jack-o'-lanterns, not just pumpkins, and bats and fucking looking tomato tootsie roll candy things that are falling from the sky, and you don't shoot bullets, you shoot your left hand up at enemies and it retracts back which is weird or you can fire off your right arm which is much bigger like some kind of boomerang thing and it's weird it's not particularly fun and it's just fucking weird Ganryu is a side scrolling action platformer that feels like Shinobi meets Kung Fu and by Kung Fu, I mean the old classic game where you're just punching and kicking enemies as they're coming from each side of the screen. And I say that because it looks a lot and feels a lot like Shinobi, but enemies will just spawn out of thin air. A little puff of smoke will show up, and then they'll just come. They'll just keep coming and coming and coming. And then you hit them, and they go away. And it, it makes for a somewhat annoying experience but it has very generous checkpoints which is nice but that that was okay goal 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 I didn't really like it's a soccer game that just made me wish I was playing sidekicks instead 
which I think is the name of that other Neo Geo soccer title. Because Sidekicks is good and Go 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 looked pretty alright, but I, I didn't think it played particularly well. The one standout, though, is Neo Drift Out. This is a drifting game where it's a it's a traditional classic drifting game. You're not racing against other cars. You're racing against the clock on a specific track where they will tell you, oh, you, you've got this kind of turn coming up at this angle. And it just, it's, a, it's an isometric viewpoint too. And it just looks great, feels really good. You just have your basic gas, brake, left and right. And it's a lot of fun. It, it takes a little bit to get used to, but once you start getting into the flow of things, it's very, very satisfying to learn these various tracks and make it through them. You'll probably fail at first with every new track as you are becoming uh, accustomed to the, the layout. And there are shortcuts on the tracks as well. But that that one was a lot of fun. I had I had a really good time with that one, and that's that's the one that I would go back and and replay more of. But that's it in the Visco collection. So if you, if you like exploring classic games, it's a worthwhile collection to check out. I don't remember there being any kind of behind-the-scenes stuff or supplemental material, so that's a bit of a, a, down, a letdown, but that's not really surprising either. But it's a, it's a solid collection. It's a solid collection. And then last up is Paperman Adventure Delivered, which is a third-person 3D platformer where you play as a handful of mail delivery things and it doesn't look good it plays horribly it feels bad and it has some of the most annoying sound effects I've heard in a while I hated hearing all of these characters grunts and groans you can switch between four different characters at mailboxes which is a little annoying it would be nice to just be able to switch between between them on the fly because they all have various abilities one can move heavy objects. One can use a feather to glide in the air. One can double jump and teleport to specific mailboxes, letters. And then another one can do this dash ability and is smaller. But it, it doesn't feel good. The jumps don't feel great. Again, it doesn't look good. The character, it's, it's got a bit of a cell shade aesthetic with very, very thick outlines. And it's, I was immediately out based on the feel alone. But then the structure of it and all, everything else is just clunky, pretty much all over the place, sadly. Though it did make me appreciate those middle tier. 3D platformers that aren't the best, but at least feel good. They might they might not be doing anything else particularly well, but you got you gotta at least get the feel right. And if you don't if you don't have that, 
It was also hard to judge distance at times too. I made some jump over water onto this boat and it did not look like I was gonna make the jump. And then when I tried to jump back to shore, I was nowhere near shore and I fell in the water. And I thought to myself, the fuck was that? Did you know what else I thought? I thought, that's it. Again, that was Paperman. Adventure delivered. No relation to Atlanta. Well, that'll do it for this year episode of the Pixelated Sausage Show, the first of 2024. Once again, I'm your host, Mark Kuznez. Y'all can find me pretty much everywhere at PX Sausage. I think I'm already done with Blue Sky. I got an invite code sometime last month and waited until the first to join. And it's like, I'm going to use this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to really commit to Blue Sky. I think I'm already over it. Because as long as it's invite only, it just feels pointless. So, but I'm there at PX Sausage, just like everywhere else. And in addition to me, if you enjoy this year's show or any of the stuff I do and what have you, you can support me and my nonsense over at patreon.com slash PXS. That is, again, patreon.com slash PXS. In addition to the Patreon, you can find links to the site, the YouTube, the Discord, and so much more over at pxsausage.com that is pxsausage.com that is it that is all as always thank you for watching or listening i hope you enjoyed this here episode and i hope you had both a wonderful land of the year i was like what the hell am i trying to say here i hope you had a lovely end of 2023 i hope your 2024 has been uh, wonderful as well I hope uh, the rest of your week and weekend and all that jazz is even lovelier. But for now, adios. Arrivederci. Bye.